Okay, can everybody hear me? All right, excellent. If anybody wants to move up front, they can. There's other people coming that have told us they're going to be a little bit late. But if anybody wants to start moving up, if everybody's comfortable, we're happy where you're at. But if you want to move up, that's okay. This. Yeah. Because this is what we're going to be teaching on. So, of course, you got a copy in your hand. Right, we handed you out um, a packet. Um, what we've been doing is, uh, and this is like, I know Billy's new, and um, Randy's just been coming. But we, um, this is training for raining. And the purpose of training for raining, we sent out this really cool flyer. And I don't know if everybody got it, um, if they've got it in their email or whatever. But we just actually started um, placing out what the purpose and why it's designed. So um, in this intro this morning, before I go in and just review what we talked about last time, I wanted to talk about what is training for raining, just a little bit more in depth, okay? And when we sent this out, I wrote, a, this biography just came out uh, trying to explain it. It says, training for raining is designed and purposed to teach professionals, which is what everybody is sitting here, professionals, principles, biblical principles for advancement in the workplace, as well as in our own personal lives. Because we know if our lives are right, then it's going to reflect out in our, our workplace. The focus is to teach the power of choice, which is this is the vision we're working on all year, the power of choice. We've been working on this since January. We have within ourselves, through words and thoughts, timing and release, tests and trials, we all are positioned to make choices as we walk out our day-to-day -day experiences. So it is important to gain truthful knowledge as we seek the proper direction towards our success. The proper direction. The purpose is, you know, walking it out. We all seek the truth and desire positive results so we can lead a well-balanced life that is not only successful but significant. Training for Reigning is a program that goes beyond the circumstances we face and challenges us to press out the old ways of thinking and enter and look towards two new ways of thinking. We are to reign and enjoy life as we walk out this process. So that's the purpose of training for reigning, is for us to walk this out. And you know, we're doing it together by businesses coming together in a one hour class once a month to keep a flow going. And we have more people that have called us, have heard about it, and the best part is, this whole program is being featured in the South Magazine which is great. So um, it's just, it's a great place to even come and meet other business people who are going through the same experiences. So if everybody can turn to um, the agenda for today, um, I want to go over a little bit about what we talked about last time. Because today's agenda, because we've been talking about this breakdown, when it says principles for advancement, does everybody see that on their page? It talks about thoughts, words, laws, trials, testing results. Well, since we started this in January, we have spent a lot of time talking about our thoughts, and we've spent a lot of time talking about our words. And we've even had moments where we've gotten to get great examples about the thoughts we've experiencing, captivating the thoughts, knowing how to deal with those thoughts, and then knowing the words, how they produce out of our mouth. Well, today is going to be a real great topic. We are going to talk about the laws, the laws in which our thoughts and words get put in place. So... In those laws, that's, what, that's where we're, we're focusing on today. But last week when we talked about words, we talked about writing out our words in a vision and putting it out plain. And we talked about distractions, attachments, and entanglements that start manifesting themselves before it gets placed into a law. 
before that principle gets placed. And we talked about the definitions of those. And it was interesting because before I had talked about Rachel kind of looked up the definitions for me, and just to refresh our memories, a distraction divides the attention or prevents concentration. An attachment blinds us. So when we make the wrong attachment through a thought and a word, sometimes it blinds us to seeing where we're really supposed to go. And in business and at home, we don't want to be blinded. We want the veil unlifted. We want to know the direction that we're going. And we talked about how entanglements are agreements that we make that actually snare us into starting to go on the wrong path. And as we're going down that path, we lose that sense of what is the truth. So here I'm so excited about today's lesson because today's lesson is really talking about the laws that get put in place after we take, you know, an attachment and a distraction or a, um, a distraction that starts taking us down. But the best thing to know is even when we start going down the wrong path, there is an answer to get us back on track. And that's these laws that we're going to talk about today, the different laws. The session before that, we talked about in perception, how we perceive things, inception, the time in which we have to choose, and then we talked about reception. Because the moment we start acting like we received the choice that we made, well, then we're walking down the path, either if it's a good path or the, the right path or the wrong path. So today I'm very excited because Training for Reading is a special program that is growing, and we have people calling us outside, asking questions, wanting the tapes. Even if they don't come here, they're hearing about it. And so today I'm excited because we're really going to be talking about the laws. Now we're getting to some real meat. We've talked about some great prep things to get us to this, but now we're going to enter into talking about the two laws of our power choice. And so if everybody's good, I'm going to hand it over to Gene. All right. Thank you, Lee. Um, my name is Gene Hall, for those ones that the new, new people coming in. Um, this, this power choice that you have in your hand, this vision right here, this is a vision that I received in prayer. And uh, it, it can really apply to any area of your life, your family, um, your workplace, your relationship uh, with God, um, relationship with people. But if you notice on it, we are sowers and words are seeds. That's, the, that's what we've got to get a handle on. We are sowers and words are seeds. And words that leave our tongue become seeds. And they're called spiritual seeds. What leaves our hands becomes a seed. And both of them return back to us in a tangible, physical touch. You can see it, you can feel it. Evidence. So what leaves your hands, I always teach this, what leaves your hands will never leave your life when it's giving selfless. It will never leave your life. It'll come back with good fruit. It's the difference between givers and non-givers. That's the difference. So we are walking. I'm going to start teaching on the laws of the Spirit in this session. And 
We are walking law provokers is what we are. We have to understand that there's two invisible laws. And I, all this is based on the truth. I, I, I receive this as the truth of God. This is the truth. Uh, because it's worked in my life. And I treasure it. Um, so, the Bible says there's laws in place. And I'm going to explain the definition of what law is. You might want to take some notes. Does anybody need paper or pen? Because we, have, we can get that for you. Raise your hand if you do. Um, or write on the paperwork that we gave you. The definition of law is... There's several definitions. The principle and regulations establishing authoritative outcome. The principle and regulations establishing authoritative outcome. A controlling influence. And I'll repeat these again. Legal action. Supply and demands, the law of supply and demand action. So I'll repeat those four. The principles, one is the principles and regulations establishing authoritative at the outcome, the authoritative outcome. Two, a controlling influence. Three, a legal action. Four, supply and demands action. And I'm going to give you, give you the fifth one. The law of motion. So within the law of motion, there's three laws, and this is very important. The first law that goes out is the law of external force. That's the first law that gets activated. Second law is the law of internal force. It's on the inside. And the third law is the reaction of the external and the internal coming together. So the first law is external force. I call it the law of circumstances. Second law, internal force. And the third law is when they both begin to start gravitating towards each other. They become, becomes a reaction. So we, what we got to picture this, we can picture this. All day long, in business, in family, you've got these two laws. They're invisible. And they're all around us. And I'll get into how those laws get established, had gotten established further in this teaching. But there are two spiritual laws, and you see what they are, law of life and peace, and the law of sin and death. I'm going to quote one verse out of Romans 8, 
2, where I've got this, and it says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. So we have one law in place that enforces life and peace. And we have one law in place that enforces sin and death. Now, the, 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 the definition of sin in the Greek, which is the original, original translation, um, is, is called missing the mark. And I was a guy that kept missing the mark all the time. I could never just get it right. So I kept missing the mark because I was sowing into that law with my words. And I could never reach completion of anything before it died off. So, why do some people seem to get it right and some people don't? That's the big question. Why do some people seem to get it right and some people don't? And uh, why do some Christians seem to get it right and some people don't? Some of them don't. And you don't have to be a Christian to be in here. You can, you can serve whatever you want to serve. This is training for reigning. This is a principles, biblical principles that work. Whether you know Jesus Christ or whether you don't know him, they work. And the reason they work because these two laws are in place. So, and I, I said this one time in one of our sessions, the ones that know Christ, whatever they sow into through him has everlasting life on it. That means it never dies. It gets pruned so it can bear more life. But a lost man, like I was, so into that law of sin and death, it had an everlasting life on it. So every time I'd get things working, it would die off and come to death because it didn't have life on it. So that's the two things I want to keep in mind today on hitting the mark. Some hit the mark and some miss the mark. And you know, I looked up hitting the mark in the Greek, hitting the mark. And it said, a collision of ownership. A collision of ownership. You know how things just, you just kind of fall into things sometimes? And some of them are good, some of them are bad. That's a collision. And right then you take ownership. Because it came into your life. It's coming back to you. Whatever we say is going to come back to us. So it's a collision of ownership. Now hitting the mark, it's a collision of ownership with life, peace, and prosperity. Life, peace, and prosperity is hitting the mark. Because that's what we're called to. I said in one of our sessions that we were all in heaven before we got here. This word says we were all in heaven before we got here. Now why are we here? Why did, why did Jesus and the Father decide to send us to heaven after the resurrection? Why? To bring the kingdom of heaven on the earth. 
Because only God can birth you. So the reason we're here is to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth and the reason he put kings in place. Kings are business people. They have authority. They're entrepreneurs. He put them in place to create wealth. That's what the word says. He says, I've given them power to create wealth. To establish the covenant. The covenants. Heaven, the kingdom of heaven is the covenant. There's a lot in that covenant. And I can, also, I can sum it up in this. Life, peace, and prosperity is in that covenant. So we're supposed to be establishing that in other people's lives. That's why I'm here today. Because I got a hold of that law and these seeds, and they worked. And now I want to teach other people, other business people, how to do it and succeed when everybody else is going out of business. And these are the answers. These are the answers. So some missed the mark, and that's a collision of ownership with death, fear, worry, anxiety, and poverty. I call it broke, busted, and disgusted. That's a collision with death. Death means dying off of something. You just didn't quite reach that mark. Fears, worry, anxieties, and poverty. Proverbs 8.21 is where we get this from. Hey, Kim, come on. Proverbs 8.21 is where we get this from. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So think about this. Let's think about this for a second. And Lee's only given me 15 minutes, so i got five minutes to get all this out. Listen. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So the tongue has the power to release life or to release death. And whatever you release from the tongue becomes a seed. And it's called a spiritual seed. And it goes into these two laws, and then it returns back to you. The tongue holds that power to release a successful life, a successful business, or an unsuccessful life in an unsuccessful business. So words are seeds of success or seeds of defeat. And it really, you know, I'm a, I'm a builder, so sometimes it's hard to hold the tongue when you've got a subcontractor that's not working with you, you know. It's hard to not say the wrong thing. But we've got to remember, why am I here?
Why am I here? Is to sow these right seeds. So seeds are planted. What we call these is the field law of life and the field law of death. So seeds have to be planted into a field. And these are two invisible fields that are around you all day long. The word, the, the Bible says the good seed is the word of God. It says Jesus Christ is the good seed. The bad seed comes from Satan, which is the, the, word, the words of lies. So you see in this vision the Lord gave me a couple of years ago, the good seed, of course, comes from the third heaven. The, the bad seed comes from the second heaven. There's three heavens out there, is what the Bible says, and, and the bad seeds uh, come from the second heaven where Satan rules. So this power choice, and you see this man right there sowing into both of those laws. He's living this kind of life right here. It's called bondage. And the reason I say it's bondage is because he is living a limited life. When we're supposed to live an unlimited life. He's living a limited life. Because something else is holding him back. From being whole. In a certain area of his life. Because success. Is not success. Until you are whole. It's impossible. To be successful. And it continued to be successful. And it continued to go into significance unless you were whole first. That's the way these laws work. So the good seed falls into the field of life and peace, the law of life and peace. Jesus Christ is the authority behind that law. He reigns over that law. He exercises sovereign authority. And I love this, without ruling power. Now how can you exercise authority over a law without ruling power? I'll give you the definition. I'll give you the answer to that when I go over to the next one. See, it says where Satan rules over the law. Did Kim get the package? Got the package. Thank you, Carrie. I'm sorry I didn't see it. This law was established at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. The law of life and peace got established in the unseen realm when Jesus rose from the grave. His law enforces the fruit. That's what laws do. This is very important. Laws enforce the fruit of the seed. So, 
He's going to cause you, that law is going to cause you to collide with the ownership of life, peace, and prosperity. You're going to run right into it. That's how it works. He enforces the fruit of that seed. And Kim, I don't think you were here when we were talking about seeds are your words. They are spiritual seeds. And they're planted into a spiritual field, which is called the law of life and peace or law of sin and death. The bad seeds fall into the law or the field of sin and death. And that means missing the mark. You see it says missing the mark. So we're actually colliding with the ownership of death, something dying off from us. What's dying off from us is embracing life, peace, and prosperity and it's staying with us. A lot of people have embraced that for a season, a moment, a few years, and it died off. Because it was sown, we sowed into that particular law, but there's no life on it. And it causes it, it enforces it to die off. So Satan is the law, is the authority behind that law. And that law got established when Adam and Eve fell. It got established. Now, I mentioned that Jesus over here reigns over his law. But he doesn't have a ruling authority. Satan rules. So you see the difference between reigning and ruling. Jesus is sovereign in his reigning. When someone is ruling, they are not sovereign. In other words, when you sow into that law of life and peace, you go into the sovereign grace of God. Wherever you go, it's going to be there. That's different from ruling Ruling means, in the Greek, dominate, regulate, control, and dictate. Dominate, regulate, control, and dictate. Dominate, regulate, control, and dictate. So if you find yourself sowing seeds to dominate something, to dictate something, to control something, then you know you are sowing into the wrong field. Because it's going to come back. And what it's going to do, it's going to dominate your life. It's going to dictate your life. It's going to control your life from embracing the true blessed life of life, peace, and prosperity. It, it holds you back from that. So how will I know if I had sowed the bad seed? If this is the good seed, and not a lot of people open up this book. We go to church on Sunday. 
but we should open up this book every day. If this is the good seed, and this book says it is the good seed, then I want to know what that good seed is and how I can apply it every day. The Bible says the good seed is Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God that was made manifest to us. He keeps everlasting life on his seed. He keeps life on his seed. That means he never dies. The book of John says he prunes the fruit so it can bear more fruit and blossom more and more and more. So you can continue to grow in success that way. You continue to grow in life, peace, and prosperity as he prunes you. He'll cut you back sometimes. And the first thing, I, when he cut me back the first time, he cut me back. And I said, why is this happening to me? Because I've done everything right. I sowed into the right law. Why did this come on me? And how did I know he's, it was pruning me back? Because money was leaving my hands. It was a loss. And I said, Lord, what are you doing? What did I do? I don't remember sowing into that law, that other law. And he took me to the book of John, and it says, he, pr he, he prunes the vine. So he prunes the fruit. He, he cuts the fruit off. So it bears more fruit. Just like you do in your garden, like, like you do in your landscaping. So I got it. So that one job was a pruning job for me. And you may have that one day, Frank, or you may have that one day, but don't get discouraged by it. Now that you know, if you sowed into these other law, that one law, he's pruning you so you can bear more fruit of life, peace, and prosperity. And it was just that one job. In 28 years, it really, it was a blow. But the beautiful thing about it, it had life still on it. It sustained me through it. And I stepped right in from a $3 million job to a $50 million job. Just like that. And listen, business, we have to make money. But we have to have the money do what we say to do, not what the money dictates us to do. And it's so tempting in business to hold on to money. If you hold on to it, it leads you to poverty. If you release it, it grows. Or I said, whatever leaves your hands never leaves your life. It goes into that law of life and peace and begins to multiply and comes back to you. So how will I know if I sowed the bad seeds? You'll know in the trial. That's the next season. After you sowed into the laws, there's a trial coming. And listen. You can sow all the good seeds and still hit that trial. 
because that's what I just explained on, on this one job I had. I hit, I hit the trial. So I don't care how good we are and how uh, 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 word-abiding we are, we're still going to hit the trial. Why? Because the trial is harvest time. It's another way to look at a trial. This trial seems so hard, so strong, so judgmental. But the Lord showed me, he, he said, it's harvest time. That's when the, you go in and inspect the fruit. That's the fruit inspection. Because you can't take bad, bad fruit into that promised land which is a fertile, stable, secure life. You can't take the bad fruit with you. It has to die off in the trial. So God sends the trial to get rid of the bad stuff so the good stuff can come with you into the fertile, secure, stable life, a blessed life. So he's in charge of the trial. We give the devil too much credit about trials. God sends the trial. Because within the trial, there's a test. And the test is character. Character. You'll never be successful without the right character. And the good seed is the only thing that can produce that character. It's the only thing that can produce a good character. So, it says, whatever a man sows, that he will reap. You'll find it out in trial. That's when you'll find it out. What you had sown will be found out in trial. The Bible says we sow to the flesh, we reap decay, ruin, and destruction. Now the flesh is our sinful nature. That's what the Bible calls flesh. Sinful nature or flesh is flesh. There's two types of flesh. Or we can sow to the Spirit, and it says you reap everlasting life. I don't think it get, get any simpler than that. We either sow to the Spirit, which is sowing unselfishly. You can always know, that's a good judge to be able to judge yourself, Am I sowing selfishly or unselfishly? When you sow unselfishly, there's a return on it of life, peace, prosperity. When you sow selfishly, there's a return on it of decay, ruin, and destruction. That's what this good seed says about the bad seed. So the good seed will produce good fruit. The good seed is Jesus Christ, the Word of God. So what is the sign of the good seed? You say life, you say peace, you say prosperity. But those are invisible things. They come 
to you invisibly. It's a power. But what's the sign? What is the fruit? Well, the Bible talks about the promised land. We're all called to the promised land. Well, we think the promised land, the first thing we think of is heaven. That's not what this is. So the promised land, the real interpretation of the promised land, here. And a land is where you live. This is the interpretation of it. The best, the bountiful, the cheerful, the joyful, prosperity, wealth, welfare. And it summed it up with this, a complete state of happiness. That's what we're called to. And the only way we can get there in business, in family, anything that pertains to life, we got to sow the good seed. And you know, you can even sow the, the good seed and get a negative result. Because it has to, has to be sown unselfishly. Because when I was growing up in this book, on my journey, I would use the word sometimes to get what I want. It doesn't work that way. Because when you release it unselfishly, God brings contentment to your life. And at that point, you don't even care for what's coming back that's good because you've gotten so content with his life. I've got my testimony here. It's somebody I want to give my testimony out because it, you'll relate to it being a business Um, person. But there's a scripture that says the God of all grace. He's given us all grace. Let me turn to it real quick. And you just write the, write the scripture down and go back and meditate on it. But this is the one that I used that, that the Lord led me to meditate on and let it be a part of my life. And um, when he showed me this scripture, I said, Lord, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to do it just for that. It says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. 
So let, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity. That's selfishness. Grudgingly and necessity. But let him give cheerfully. And the next verse says, And God is able to make all unmerited favor with God and man to come towards you. That you will always have all sufficiency in all things. And an abundance left over for every good work. He's talking about money. So without grace, you cannot be successful. Oh, I'm sorry. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. 9, 6 through 11. But he's going to make you content and have sufficiency for all things. That means you're not in debt. Because that's the first thing you want to do is get out of debt. Because that's a slave. It's a place in our lives that God doesn't have. And I want him to have all my life. So I can receive all grace. Sufficiency in all things and may have an abundance for every good work. So he's going to give you more to give than he gave you more to keep. He's going to give you more to give out than he'll give you more to keep. You remember what leaves your hands never leaves your life when it's done cheerfully. Next verse says, now he who supplies the seed, Jesus supplies this seed to us, says, he who supplies the seed to the sower, we're the sower, and bread for food, he supplies the bread for food. He will supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. So he's going to multiply the one seed that I sowed. But this is what, when the Lord gave me this, I said, Lord, I'm not looking for money. If you're showing me this just so I can get money, I, I, I'm not interested in that. I want more of you. Is that where, that's where my contentment is. That's where everybody's contentment is going to be. Because he brings you into a rest. Free of anxiety, fear. All these things that kind of grab our mind. He said, well, keep reading. It says, he, now, he, now may he supply the seed to the sower and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown. And here's the part I liked and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now listen, there's nothing righteous about us. Nothing. He's the only righteous one. So he's in us. 
So he's going to increase his fruit in us. That means I'm going to get more of him. And without getting more of him, I'll never be successful. Never be. I tried it. I tried it without him. And I lost everything. Gave my last $12,000 to a palm reader. Trying to figure out why I keep missing the mark. Thought she could figure it out for me. Came to zero. 32 years old. Kept missing the mark. She wasn't the answer. She took more from me. I was losing it anyway. Had $12,000 left. But I want to know what the fruit of his righteousness is. So do we get those to promised land, the best, the bountiful, the cheerful, the joyful, the prosperity, the wealth, the welfare, a complete state of happiness? Now let's look at the bad seed. The bad seed will produce the opposite of these. Just the opposite of these. So if I go the opposite of these, I'm going to say, instead of the best, he's going to give me the worst. Instead of bountifully, he's going to give me lack. Instead of being cheerful, I'm going to be sad. Instead of being joyful, I'm going to be depressed. Instead of prosperity, I'm going to have poverty. Instead of a complete state of happiness, I'm going to be in a complete state of unhappiness. Just because the word that left my tongue went into the wrong law. The garden. These are the bad seeds. Colossians 3, 8 and 9. It says, but now you... See, the good seed is telling you what the bad seed is now. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man and his deeds. And this is a man that's received Christ. He's put off these things. But we still are tempted to say these things, even though they've been put off by Christ. The tempter, who's the authority behind the law of sin and death, still tries to get his seat back in there. Because without his seat there, he can't promote his kingdom. And that kingdom is missing the mark. Without the seed of the good seed, he cannot promote his kingdom, which is the good life. So these are the things we don't want to do. It just kind of summed it up. Don't have anger. It's, and it's easy to have anger on a job site. Job site. I can tell you, I, I'm out there sometimes. It's easy when something doesn't look right. You feel that, that seed trying to get in. Uh, you just need to let that guy have it. Well, if I engaged in that seed and started thinking on that seed, eventually that seed is going to leave my mouth because I'm receiving somebody else's seed. Because the thought is a seed. 
when I engage in it, it becomes a spiritual seed leaving my tongue. And it goes into those laws. And that law enforces the fruit of what you spoke. So if you spoke anger towards that subcontractor or supplier, anger is coming back through someone else. It might be tomorrow. It might be next week. But that law has the authority to bring it back into your life and make it real. So we can be totally successful by what we say. Totally successful by what we say. Or we can be in bondage by what we say. We can be happy one day and miserable the next day. Happy one day and miserable the next day. Even in the trial, which we'll get that, we're going to teach on the trial in the next session. Even in a trial, I'm not miserable. I sowed into the right seed. I'm at peace even through the trial. But if I sowed the bad seed, I'm at peace one day in the trial, and the next day I'm going to be miserable. Pain, fear, anxiety, all these things start manifesting. That's the judgment, the fruit inspection right there is in the trial. So let's look at the good seeds. Galatians 5.22. This just sums it up as the good seed. See, it says the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, seeds are spirit. Your words are spirit. So the fruit of the good seed is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. That's what you got to come into the promised land with. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. I cannot, and it continues. 523, I didn't give you that. Yeah. Uh, that's all I gave him. Um, but let me read that. Uh, you're reading from the amp, though. Okay, this is, is it, the verse isn't fully complete. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, which I'm going to read right from this one, but the fruit of the Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness meaning humility, and the last is self-control, self-restraint. Okay. And that's, that's very important when we're choosing our seeds, the self-control. And, and what she said was from within. So you remember the three 
laws, emotion. When we sow the seed, when it goes out, it goes into the first law of motion. That's the authority gets in place. We just lost total authority when the seed, whatever leaves our mouth, we just lost all authority. It goes into one of those laws, and the authority of that law either reigns in your life or rules your life. But the second thing was, the second law of motion was the internal law. So that scripture just quoted it, the, in, the internal goodness of Christ coming out. So the external and the internal begins to draw towards each other like this, and then boom, the trial hits. Because the impact or the reaction of the third law came into, came into place. Three laws of motion, external, internal, and the reaction of both coming together. That's how you know the fruit. The word says we're supposed to judge ourselves, not others. Let's do our own fruit inspection and wonder why we're not successful instead of blaming it on someone else because they had nothing to do with it. The only thing they had to do with it was they were the vessel that either Satan used or God used to bring back the fruit of what you had already sowed. And then we want to blame that person when we planted the seed. You see? So, we want the good seed. So when we sow into both these laws, we can live a limited life. That's a limited life. If we just stay on the other side, the right side, we'll live an unlimited life. Well, how will I know that I'm living an unlimited life? Because it's not the fruit that tells you. This is how you know. Peace. Peace. You can have peace in your heart. But if peace is not in your head... You're living a limited life. Because perfect peace is when the two so when the Spirit have peace with God. Now you're living that's a sign that you're living an unlimited life. Because He is unlimited. You can't limit Him. So we become Unlimited, that means freedom to live life and enjoy it. To build a business and enjoy it without stress. 
without fears, without anxiety and perplexity and all these things that come from the bad seed. So let's stay on the other side and you'll live a successful life. Last week when we talked about knowing what our promised land is, it's because the Lord will always show us something before it happens. He will show you where you're to be. But then as we're walking it out through thoughts, words, and then the laws being in place, that's the journey. And, you know, I loved it when Gene said not everything, even when you're doing it right around you, the circumstances, which I loved, the external force. Those are the outside things trying to change the character that's already in place. And as he was speaking, it, this is really interesting how this came to my mind, and it is with Frank. I love you, Frank. <laughs> many years ago, when we were working, I have worked with Frank for many years in selling homes, but we got to know each other as friends. We became a team in working together. And this is an example of how this applies in business, and this is a successful example. Frank comes to me, and he's like, man, I have somebody in my family that owns a house, and they cannot, they can't sell it. It's been listed for over a year. They had it at a certain price, and nothing was happening. And suddenly, somebody came to him and said, we need your help. They came to Frank for help. And the beautiful thing, he would talk to me about it, talk to me about it. He'd say, Lee, keep this house in mind, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay. Well, the most beautiful thing is Frank called me one time, and he goes, okay, I'm buying it. I'm doing it because I love my family. Okay, now here's a man who builds houses, sells houses, had very successful runs, but he's getting now, a, he's getting something that was left over, but he said, okay, I'm going I'm to help. He made an agreement. But it wasn't a good thing. Externally, it brought a lot of pressure to him. He had to start paying for that house. He had to fix that house. There was a lot of issues with that house. Well, the beautiful thing was Frank's love in it because if we're walking out truth, which wisdom is truth possessed by love, okay? So he knew what he had to do. Well, he let me know about it. But the beautiful thing is when we put out something that's positive, even though the external force is negative, internally, Frank's character knew he had to help his family, even though what he was seeing around him was all just going to bring him, he would, you thought, death, destruction, I can't handle this property because there was a lot of negative things on the property. But then the, it was so awesome. One day, and this is how we walk out our every day, a man comes into my office. After Frank, for the past week, had been talking to me, this older man comes in to call me about a water property. And he comes into my office and he says, I'm coming to Savannah. I think I'm supposed to have a house on the water, but I don't want to pay anything for it. And I just started laughing. And the, what he started describing me, the house. Well, the house was the house that Frank got stuck with. This is so crazy. So I am looking at this man. And I said, look, I wrote down Frank's phone number. And I said, before I even commit to you as your real estate agent. And this was just, I was being led by something inside. I wasn't thinking about, this is a client. This is what I'm supposed to, you know, I'm going to sell him houses. I need to make money. Instead, inside, when I looked at that man, it hit me. Give him Frank's number. So I gave this man Frank's phone number, and I said, talk to this man. He's going to show you a house. And if that house doesn't work, then come back to me, and then I'll start showing you properties. 
Well, it was so beautiful because that man, it everything went boom, boom, right, Frank? This is an example of how God's grace was working in this situation because it, it, was, it was definitely a leading, and there was blessings that came after that. So the internal force of character, because when sin abounds, that means the negative external things, grace is greater. No matter where you are on that chart, the greater one is in you than you are in that situation. So you have to, that little man, that little light is character being developed in us. So character was all over this. Handed it over to Frank. That man, he looked at it and says, I'm buying it. Frank calls me and says, Lee, write the contract. There was no, it all worked out beautifully. That house sat in the market, what was it, two years? A year or two? Two years. <laughs> and nothing happened with this house. And Frank and I, it was just like, we, we did say, wow. wow. This is one of those wow moments where the inner grace and God's grace met. And a reaction happened. And a reaction happened. That man came back to me months after he bought the house. He said, I don't know who you are, but no realtor I have ever talked to gave me away to somebody and not took a dime. And he brought me back gifts. I know this is silly, but he gave me money. He brought me flowers. He brought me everything because he was blessed with that house, even though it didn't seem like a blessing to Frank. But that business transaction that happened, then he gave my name out to all these other people. And they had come to me through that man. Go to that realtor. She has honor. She, t- she, she totally yielded and didn't take anything. He couldn't believe it. He sat at my desk. He handed me an envelope of money. And he goes, I just have never experienced anything like this. But here it all started with Frank's character. It's just Frank knew he had to help that family. And so in business, when we walk and we're being discerned by the greater one in us, just know that's sowing and reaping. You sow something, but something else comes out. Something else, it doesn't make a difference in that situation. It could have come back, it comes back in other ways. I'm looking at Becky. I got to talk, Becky is a woman I met several years ago. She is an excellent businesswoman that runs a business out of a bar. (laughs) And it's amazing how she's developed this little concierge system, you know, many years ago. But the beautiful thing is Becky, when I met her, she said, I don't know what it is. She was going with an internal force. I'm supposed to live in Savannah. And it was powerful because I looked at her, okay, this woman had a lot of mess going on. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot of of darkness and a lot of things pushing her, but she saw the promised land. I am supposed to be in Savannah. And she told me her vision. We sat in Atlanta Bread Company, and she told me her vision about it. Well, she kept to that vision. And the struggles that happened, she got her house. She moved on. But I don't talk to Becky every day. I've known her for, what, four or five years? But Becky, six years, Becky will call me because she's always on that vision. And she would say, Lee, I'm going to take this job. I know what I'm supposed to do. But she had the counterfeits come because externally the forces came and she wanted to take the wrong job. Do you know how sometimes we want to take the wrong job because we're looking at what? An outcome of what we think. We just have to know what our outcome is based on. When people use the word greed, Greed means more than just money, okay? It's something that we are expecting out of something. So I loved it because Becky did take some of the wrong turns, and she knew it, and would, she backtracked. But she, she, wasn't, she was going to speak life into it. She kept saying, this is the vision. This is it. And then she pressed forth. How many years did it take before you settled? Three? 
three years, and now she is in the right place, speaking life into people every day, even though it's a bar, a nice little bar, the Holiday Express, but she takes care of people. People come and flock back to her. That's how I met, that's, that's how I met um, Kim. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. She spoke life into Kim and helped Kim stay on a direction. And so this is the chain reaction in business, you know, is that the Lord uses us, the internal grace that we all have, whether it's little or we're walking it out and it grows more. But it's the test. The pruning is the test being, the test is the character being tested. I loved it when Jean was mentioning, I've said, I've said for years before I ever came here, everything in motion. Because if you're not keeping a flow going, you know, with yourself, that means the internal and the mind. Because the mind will want to deceive you off the track of the vision. In fact, this week, Rachel knew she had to go to this, 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 this two-week two camp. But what happened was, and it is what she was supposed to do, but between the time of going to the camp and knowing it, everything was trying to tell her, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. How many times in business do we get a file or do we get a client or do we get a person and we say, I don't want to do it? Come on, right? I don't want to do that step. I don't want to take that next step. But inside, how many people know that that's the right step? But the outside force doesn't feel right. But the inside, you know it's the right thing to do. So it's crazy because, you know, I'm Rachel's mom. I knew she was supposed to go this trip. But every day she said, Mom, I am speaking the word because she already put it in her thought that she's not going on this trip. And, you know, I tried to, st I watched the, my, my words, my words. This wasn't a business deal. This is a personal situation. I watched my words because I knew how I dealt with her was going to affect the outcome. And so I had to know, am I going to speak life or am I going to speak death? And I can be overzealous about life. So I knew I had to calm down. So I, I laid back and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, show me, show me something to help me. And he took me to, and this is what we experience with these laws before we enter into life and peace or life and death. The Lord showed me 17.9 where it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it is exceedingly perverse and corrupt, morally sick. Who can know it? Okay, because we get thoughts that enter into our mind. Who can know what is the truth versus the lie? All right? And then it says, who can know it? Perceive, understand, be acquainted with his own heart and mind. So, okay, I was pondering this. I turn around. I love it. There's a little explanation, Right? When I read the explanation, Rachel came into my room, and she was saying, I'm not going, I'm not going. I said, Rachel, let me read something to you. And then she had to make a choice. In that, it teaches us that our hearts are deceitful above all things. Self-deception is one of the easiest traps of the enemy that we can fall into. Self always helps the self get whatever it wants. When we have a strong desire for something, we can easily deceive ourselves by telling ourselves whatever we want to hear. If my will wants it, my mind will give a variety of reasons that you should have it and enters in your emotions. Okay? So when we're walking that thought, we, we've been talking about this the whole time, captivate the thought, don't react to the thought, respond, don't react. 
Then we get into what? The words got to come out. If we, if, we, if we looked at him and we talked about this ask, and he will guide us to the right direction, I know how overzealous I can be as a parent. I would have said, Rachel, you are going. This is what's going to happen. But I, I was like, okay, the, the power of my tongue was going to affect the movement of what was going to happen. I knew that. When the Lord showed me this, I read this to her, and my emotions will produce the feelings that agree with my will. Remember, our vision is what God has for us. Our promised land is what he has from us, not what we created for us. He will show things to us in part, and we got to look at it, but we have to ask for his leading, his guidance. And how does it get affected? By how we speak out the experience we're walking out. So if somebody comes and says, well, Rachel shouldn't go to Summit. Words are now coming. People are speaking into her. And what is that doing? Increasing her will. Because she just, she just didn't want to go somewhere for two weeks. But the beautiful thing is when I read this, we must learn to live deeper than the shallowness of our minds, wills, and feelings. Deeper living, deeper living means going beyond what we want, what we think, how we feel, and we need to live by the word of God. We must bow our knees in humility to God's word because sometimes it's tough. It's tough to listen. The word instructs and corrects. It's a guide for us. Sometimes it's instructing us, and sometimes it's correcting us. Because why? We're all sinners. We make mistakes. We say the wrong things. We take the wrong steps. We choose to do the wrong action in business. I was assigned to make little cards today. I forgot. <laughs> I started the project and didn't finish it, right? So I felt conviction. Conviction is a good thing. Because what did it do? It corrected me because we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent in seeking the, we have to look at that promise and be diligent of our steps. But when I read this to Rachel, the most beautiful thing, she laid there. I read that. Her eyes closed and there was silence because I love it. His word is the last word. She got up out of bed. She left the room and I was like, oh. I knew that it soaked into her in conviction. And then I walk out and she said, Mom, I'm going to need the car today because I have to get the things to go to this trip. And great, boom. The girl went to the trip. Boy, she has had a great time, but she was sowing into the law of sin and death. She, was, I'm not do, she even ran to Kim's house. Kim, my mom wants me to do this. I don't want to do it. She ran to Kim. She was running to Jean. I don't want to do this. She was speaking. She told me she was going to keep speaking it. But the bottom line is, we, even when we start speaking something, his mercy is greater because it says mercy when we hit that side. He will bring us back. And we have, to, we, have to, we have to jump up and down and know that every step we take in business, even if it's the wrong step, he's, he's teaching this training for reigning. He's teaching us how to re, reevaluate what we're saying and how we're saying. We gave some of you in here. We gave everybody, if you look at your little packet, we gave you some words. And if everybody turns to the power of the tongue, this is so beautiful. Think about this. Think about this, how we say this, how we speak before we, get, before we know what we're about to fall into. It says, I love this, the power of the tongue. Victory is in what you speak. Victory is, a, Tracy, if it's, a, if it's a negotiated deal and we say this is not going to work, you're, just, you're already speaking that. Even if that deal might have already been the deal pegged to work. It could have been the one to work. Go down to Proverbs 15.1. It says, and I love this because it applied with Rachel, a soft answer turns away wrath, 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. We have to think about the tone in which what's leaving our, our tongues. Proverbs 13.2 says, A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. Gene just showed us what that fruit was, even in Colossians, when it said, you're not to ha- speak bad words. Um, I don't have that verse. I don't know if you can go back to that. But here, it, the tone in which things come out, does it come out jo- with joy, kindness, goodness, peacefulness? And the other way, does it come out angry, harsh, malice, filthy language, you know, wanting to create something with somebody else? How these words come out are so important. But a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. But the soul, which is the mind, of the unfaithful feeds on violence. So sometimes, you know, when our mind fears, you know, it's going to think to the negative. It's going to think to do the wrong thing. Proverbs 19.9 says, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 21.23 says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. So what, this is what I love about this lesson today. This is not about, when we hear law, what do we hear? Bad and good, right? You're bad, you're good. Here are the rules in the classroom. You're bad or you're good. The beautiful thing, we're all learning. We're all learning to get to that vision. We're all growing from glory to glory as human beings to know that the God in us, he's, the Holy Spirit's got the answers. We have to know to start being instructed by these words. This is great instruction, soft answers. Guard your tongue. I just, even, in, even the one says six things the Lord hates, a proud look, a lying tongue, shedding of blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. Hey, it's very easy to get next to a gossiper and want to run to their negative thought. You know, these are beautiful things that are guiding us, they're instructing and correcting us. That's why conviction's good, condemnation's not. Condemnation says bad. Conviction says, hey, I'm being pruned. Hey, I'm, I'm growing in walking this out and knowing which law is going to activate in my life. And so I loved it when Jean uses the words establish an outcome. The Lord already has something for us, our heaven on earth, our plan. Now we have to walk at it and walk at it patiently, softly, slowly. Be sensitive to the things that are coming towards you and be sensitive to the things that are coming out. A lot of us in here do a lot of talking. We talk every day. You know, giving is what comes out of our mouth words. And then, you know, giving comes out of how we give back and forth to people. So people feel that. Even this morning, I had a situation with two people where one person's anger set off another person's anger. And what happened? It was like tennis. Anger back, anger back, anger back. Anger increasing. You know what I mean? And then what was the, and what was gonna, what's going to happen to that? Somebody's got to get canceled. Somebody's got it. Something develops. Wrap it up. Okay. Um, so please keep these things in mind with these. Read these scriptures. The word is truth, and it does apply to our businesses. The beautiful thing is there's another sheet. It says it talks about the world, word because it tells us the word heals and delivers from instruction. So the entrance of our words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Your word is established in heaven. So these are beautiful verses to meditate, meditate, meditate on. Take the time to read them. Let them become one in your heart and your mind. Don't let your emotions think, I'm going to speak positive today. I'm going to speak positive today. And then an, in, an external circumstance 
tries to get you off that track to do what? Speak negative, speak negative, speak negative. What? Start patterning yourself. Because I want to say the best thing about these training for reading classes, they're not just for the people that come in here. They help Gene and I every day. When we talked about vision last time, man, you should see Gene and I are on vision. <laughs> we are on writing out our vision, knowing what is the promised land of CE Hall, CE Hall Enterprises. And it keeps us on track. We're here to support each other and to know that we want everybody to make and get to their best place. And that's going to happen through, you know, seeking the word and knowing that it is truth. And it, 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 and it is just, it's beautiful. Because we, 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 want the, we want to be able to reign and know that our outcome is coming from the right authority, the Christ in us, and his leading the way. So... I just want to say one more thing. When when she had mentioned um, uh, the external force of motion in the law, you know, we, we are under grace. The Christ is in us. It says we are under grace. I was in prayer one day, and the Lord said, why do you think you're under grace? And why do you need to be under grace? If grace is in me, because that's grace in you when Christ comes in. Grace is the, uh, the spirit of grace is the Holy Spirit. Just so you'll know that. The Bible says the spirit of grace is the Holy Spirit. Holy means whole. Holy means whole. So the spirit of grace is the whole spirit that's going to make us whole as we sowed the seeds from that whole spirit. But what I want to get at is the law of the external force of motion and the law of internal force of motion, when they come together, is when success comes, whether it's bad or good. But when you're over grace... How do you provoke that grace? What's it there for? Why do I need it if grace is in me? And of course, I said, Lord, I don't know. Um, he said, this grace in you will get you to heaven. He said, the grace that's over you will bring heaven on earth through your obedience. So my obedience to the good seed causes the grace over me to descend on me so that I can bring heaven on earth. So obedience plays a big part in success. And if you don't know this, this word, you can sum it up with this. I'm not going to say anything negative. Because that's a bad seed. I'm, not, I'm just going to say everything Positive. If it's a negative situation, I'm going to speak positive seed into that situation. In fact, if we are this man on the power choice who is sown into both those laws 
and the law 